Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. I cannot believe it, friends, but uh, we are finishing our year this month. So we do our church year. We follow the, the Bible calendar, which is September to September is the, uh, the Bible's God's calendar year. And this past year, we've been having a theme called the awakening, and we've been pushing in, and the key verse that we've been looking at from Romans 13 is this, you know that it is a strategic hour in human history. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Night is dissolving away as a new day of destiny dawns. And that's been our, our sort of theme is we're in very uncertain times, and whenever there's uncertainty, it's always a time to push into God and to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life? What are we doing in the life of our church? And friends, I'm just very, very excited for September. September, we're going to be kicking off uh, a new year, as it were, in, in terms of preaching and emphasis for our church. And if you read the blog this week that uh, Sandra and I had question and answer time, uh, September is going to be vision month. We have been spending behind the scenes, 18 months pushing in, listening to prophets, asking the Holy Spirit, okay, church has been rearranged all around the world. What do you have for us? What's Catch the Fire Toronto supposed to look like? And we're going to be beginning to share that uh, a little bit every Sunday in September. And the last Sunday is going to be Vision Sunday, sharing with you 35 statements of what we think God's wanting our church to look like in five to 10 years, 35 statements. You don't have to memorize them, not gonna be a test, but just for you to know, this is where we feel God's taking us, taking us on a journey, so good. Any of you watch CP24 last night and see an outreach that was happening at the Albion Arena? Uh, we take a team there pretty well every Saturday, unless it's raining. We've been going since vaccination clinics began We've had a team of people, eight, 10 sometimes. I think the fewest we ever had was two of us. And we give out water, coffee, granola bars to everyone heading in to get a vaccine. And sometimes we've been on the back end where we have what we call a spirit cafe. We take our prophetic people or healing people, uh, prayer ministry team, and we have a little pop-up tent and we do ministry. Uh, the times that we've done that, every time people come to know Jesus, it's been just amazing. And yesterday, uh, they, I didn't know this, but they had Caravan a day at the arena to try to cause a, a crowd to come. And if you watch CP24 or you go to my Facebook page, you'll see that there was a, a feature. There was cameras there. And I saw the camera guy, so I'm staring at the camera guy. And what I didn't realize that as I'm staring at the camera guy, um, two Caribbean dance girls that are too poor to have the full outfit. So they just had a very small bit of clothing on. Um, but it, it sure looks like I'm staring at them. But if you look closely, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm looking at the TV camera. It just happens that the camera's between these two girls. Anyways, I'm sitting there eating my lunch. Uh, one of the, so it looks a little awkward. Just, I'm just giving you full disclosure where the camera was. What I was looking at was camera, not the bikini girls. Not, happily married, Sandra's right here. Yay, Sandra. Anyways, it was a lot of fun, and uh, 
one of the one of the best parts. I think I've said this to you before, but when we do the outreach, we thought we would be connecting with the people in the queue, and we do. But mostly, it's you know they're 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 moving in the into the arena, getting their vaccines, uh, and it's fairly quick. But what we've connected with is the team that do the vaccinations, that do the organizing. And yesterday, uh, there was probably about 75 volunteers and paid staff that were there to facilitate. And we buy them a Popeye's chicken sandwich every week. And so we walk in and we wear these red t-shirts that say, you know, like we're the bosses. Basically, it's what it says. Um, and as soon as they see us, they go, oh, hey, you're back. You know, we're glad, you know, and they start putting their order in. They want spicy chicken. They want uh, regular chicken, you know. And we just have a wonderful time connecting with these people. So I want to let you know that if you'd like to be part of, part of that, just uh, send me an email, steve.long at catchthefire.com and to give you the details uh, for helping out at those outreaches. Perfect. So friends, we're finishing off this month. Uh, in fact, David, who is just here, I think is going to be preaching next week. And we're going to be, we're talking this month about uh, one of our core values, which is who we are in Christ and trying to figure out, trying to be confident of, of um, what's our place in the kingdom of God? How does God see us? How do, we, how do we behave? How do we act? And today we're going to look at a story and we're going to talk about I am who Jesus says I am. So you have friends and family. You have uh, maybe a partner, a spouse. You have parents and they say, you know, you're this, 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 and this. And you grow up thinking, well, that means I'm this, this, and this. But Jesus often sees something very, very different than we see. And I'm going to suggest to you that what Jesus sees about you is more important than what you see about yourself. It has more opportunity to change your life for the better if we begin to believe what Jesus says about us. Would you agree with, agree with that principle? Perfect. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to talk about a lady named Mary. And Mary in the scriptures, there's several different Marys. There's a Mary from Magdala who the Bible says was demonized, and Jesus cast out seven demons from this lady. And then there's um, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, that's talked about. And then there's another Mary who is the sister of Lazarus and Martha. And perhaps the best story that we know about this Mary is that she's sitting at the feet of Jesus one day. They're, her and her sister are hosting Jesus. Probably Lazarus is still there as well. And they're in Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home in Bethany, which is a suburb of modern-day Jerusalem. And they're hosting Jesus. And remember, Martha's running around making an amazing meal for Jesus. And he's sitting on a couch on a chair somewhere. And Mary is sitting at his feet and just drinking in everything that he says. And Martha comes and says, you know, I could use some help. Jesus, could you tell my sister to help me in the kitchen? And remember, Jesus famously says, she's doing the best. She's, she is doing something that is at the heart of God, is that when God's in the room, we pay attention to God. Yeah? Jesus, I'm sure, enjoyed a meal, but he much more enjoyed someone who was listening to him and loving him. And we have this amazing picture of Mary, who's this lady who just is passionate about Jesus. But did you know that's not where she started? Here's what John chapter 11, verse 2 says. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So there's a story in many of the Gospels about this lady who brings very expensive perfume, 
washes the feet of Jesus, kisses his feet, looks after him, cares for him. And John says her name is Mary, and she is the Mary of Martha and Lazarus. That's the girl. And just for full disclosure, Luke's passage, uh, which tells this story, is out of sync with the other stories about this lady. And so some people feel, well, it's two identical stories, but two different ladies. I don't know that that's true. I think it's one story and it's the same lady. So here's the story from Luke chapter seven. It says this, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster box of perfume. And as she stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, and she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. By the way, friends, whatever your salary is for a year, that's the cost of this perfume. This is expensive stuff. When the Pharisee who'd invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man, referring to Jesus, were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. That was the name that he had for this lady. Because she lives a sinful life, because she does sinful things, and the Bible doesn't say what those sinful things are, but because she's a sinner, sorry, doing sinful things, the label that she has in this town is sinner. That's her label. That's perhaps how she knows herself. She's a sinner. And then Jesus turned towards the woman, and he said to Simon, who's the, the Pharisee, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, a greeting, but this woman from the time I entered has not, not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's an amazing statement. He's not talking to her yet. He's talking to his host. As her great love has shown. So Jesus somehow in this action that she's doing, sees an incredible love that's in her heart. That's what Jesus sees. And remember, we already told you, she's gonna be the one sitting at the feet of Jesus later when Jesus is in her house, again, demonstrating this incredible love that she has for God. So Jesus continues, but whoever has been forgiven little, forgives little. And then Jesus said to this lady, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, they began to murmur, they began to, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. The word faith, you remember, is the acting on a God revelation, on a God idea. So Jesus is discerning that she'd had this idea when she heard that Jesus was at Simon's house, this wealthy man, and she goes, I know what I'm going to do. This thought came to her, I am going to take the most expensive thing that I have. I am going to give it as a sacrifice to Jesus. I'm going to, and the other passages say, prepare Jesus for his burial in advance. Prepare him for the cross. This is an anointing time, a commissioning time, as it were. 
And she has this God thought, this is what I'm going to do. And then she followed through. And that's what faith is, is hearing God and doing. Your faith has saved you. And we talked about the word saved a few weeks ago. It's the Greek word sozo. It's the best word in the Bible, friends. We can translate this, your faith has delivered you. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has uh, given you a breakthrough. Your faith has saved you. That's the word sozo. It's all-encompassing for an incredible God encounter. That's what this means. She has just had a God encounter that she initiated because she had a God thought. She did it, and Jesus acknowledges, and, and because he's in the spirit realm all the time, he just sees what's going on, and he goes, oh, my goodness. And he says to this lady, your faith has just given you the most incredible breakthrough that you could ever have. So what's the breakthrough, friends? It's a simple little thing. Her identity was changed at that day, at that meeting. Everyone knew her as a sinner. Everyone knew her as this, this lady who lives a very, very sinful life. That's her label. When she's walking anywhere, that's what people know. They just, that's, that's the lady. And history, not, not even history, tradition says that she's probably a prostitute. And I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating that an, she's an uninvited guest, but she knows where he lives and knows how to get in his house. That says a little bit about perhaps who Simon has had relationships with in the past. Who knows? But she's, she finds her way into the house, and the other guests all know who she is. This is her reputation. They know who she is. And they're talking about her. How did she get an invite? I thought, just, I thought it was just us meeting Jesus, and look, look who's here today. Oh my goodness, look what she's doing. Wow. And friends, you can, you can guess that this incredible box of perfume, that if it's just poured out on his feet, the smell is overwhelming in this house. Beautiful perfume that costs a year's salary is being broken out. So here's the summary, friends. I, those of you who know how I like to preach. I like to read the story from the Bible, tell you what it means, and then let's do it. So that's what we're going to do today. So Mary's known as a lady who lived a sinful life. She's known as a sinner. Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. That's in the past, starting over. You've got, a, you've got a future. You have something ahead of you that you can now live for. Your sins are forgiven. And Jesus also talks about her faith, that she's had a God thought, that if I do this, God will do something for me. If I do this, somehow... I can, I can hope for a different, a different life, a different future. And we don't know this, friends. When you and I get to heaven, we can interview Mary, take her for coffee. Uh, I think our coffee shop will be in heaven, friends. I'm just thinking that it'll be good coffee like that when we get to heaven. So look up, look up um, Atwell Cafe and uh, take Mary and say, can I buy you coffee? And when you're having coffee with her, ask her, what was the revelation that you Believed? What was the hope that God gave you in your spirit? And friends, I'm going to guess it was this, that I can have a new start. If I connect with Jesus, I can do something that shows him how grateful I am for meeting him, for the opportunity to have him do something in my life. And if he's given all these other people breakthroughs, perhaps she knew about Mary of Magdala, who seven demons had come out of. Perhaps she knew about this Simon 
This Simon is mentioned in other places, and he's called Simon the leper, meaning he used to be a leper. Lepers don't host house parties for Jesus and friends if you're a leper. But if you were a leper and had been healed by Jesus, you're going to have a dinner party. And that's who this Simon is. He's a guy who's been healed of leprosy by Jesus. He's very, very grateful. He invites Jesus and his friends, and a hooker comes to the party as well. And she's hoping for the very same kind of breakthrough that Simon is known for. People know that Simon used to be a leper. He's not a leper anymore because he met Jesus. Yeah? So I think this lady was believing that if, if I do something for God, sorry, for Jesus, I don't know that she knew he was God yet. If I do something for Jesus, perhaps he can help me. Perhaps life can change for me. Perhaps. What do you see, sorry, what you see and what others see in you isn't always what Jesus sees. I like that, friends. What I think about myself and what I hear others whispering sometimes about me and what I think that they're thinking about me, um, you know, most of us, when we're having negative thoughts, we feel that everybody else sees all of our flaws, all of our negatives, and they're, they're talking about me. And when you feel that way, it's one of the most overwhelming feelings of abandonment, shame, I don't belong. And you sort of look and it looks like two people are talking and they're laughing. And if you've had any kind of hurt in your past, a thought is, well, they're laughing about me. No, no, they're laughing about the Blue Jays lost last night. They're laughing about, you know, whatever it was, a joke that was just told. But somehow, when there's issues in our heart, issues in our life, and we look around and it seems like everyone else is enjoying life, everything that they do, everything that we feel is life's against me, and this is just not good, and I'm nothing. I'm, I'm not good enough for God. I'm not good enough for my spouse. I'm not good enough for my family. And especially if your parents, if your siblings if your partner, your spouse, if your boss are speaking negative about you, we can very quickly begin to see all the negatives and feel all the negatives. Do you know that pretty well every single person who has thought about suicide has felt that they're rejected, has felt that the best thing that they could do for their family and friends is to be gone and to take their life? And life just overwhelms and are they bad people? No, they're not bad people. But the, the thoughts of what other people think and what they think about themselves and what Satan adds into the mix because he is not your friend. Remember Satan's job? Jesus gave his resume in John chapter 10. Satan's job is to kill you, to steal all of your assets, all of them, and to destroy every single relationship you have. And yet somehow the world listens to those negative thoughts and we begin to take them on as if they're true. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I've come to give you life and abundant life, not just get through life. I've come to change your life. And Jeremiah says, and to give us a future, to give us hope. God's whole agenda, friends, is for us. And if we're like this lady, Mary, 
If you're like me, if you're like you, if you're like the people sitting around you, often we're just really overwhelmed with what do people think and how do we get free? How do we get into those, those breakthrough areas? I've shown you this photo before, folks. It's not flattering. But this guy in the middle, number 31, that's me in high school. That's me in grade nine. Do you see the thick glasses? Technology's come a long way. These are still very, you know, focused glasses. My eyes, my eye doctor, I didn't see uh, Maria today, but she's in the house. She knows that my eyes are not very good. I'm right on the line. I'm, I'm sort of, I can't drive a vehicle uh, without having glasses. And do you see how the head isn't straight, the head's sideways? Why, why, who walks around with their head in a photo for a championship basketball team? Because we, we won uh, the Ottawa Valley basketball championship, grade nine. I was on the winning team. And what kind of guy who's just won a, won a, a championship has their head to the side? Someone who doesn't have confidence, someone who feels shame. What you can't see is my face is full of pimples in grade nine. You can't see that. What you can't see is lots of shame. Do you see how skinny I am compared to number 34? He's a beast. If, if you've been on sports teams, you'll know that there's twice as many people as actually get on the field. And in basketball, there was, there's five guys who, who play and then you have seven or eight subs. And I was the sub for number 34. Like he's a little taller than I am. He's the same age as I am. Uh, he's just bigger, stronger, and look at his hair. Doesn't he look like he knows what he's doing? He's, he's Mr. Confident. This, this guy, I can't even remember his name, but he's Mr. Cool. Everything that I was hoping for, um, he's got. Bigger, stronger, good-looking, no pimples, nice hair. And here's Steve Long. And friends, high school was a hard time for me because of what I looked in, when I looked in the mirror and what I saw was just, oh my goodness, that's not me. I don't like me. I think when I was probably about 14, I was doing something in the mirror, brushing my teeth, doing something like that, and I actually cursed God and said, why did you make me like this? Why did you make me skinny? Like I was this tall when I was 13. I'm 220 pounds, 99 kilo. And back then I was 140 pounds. And I was just a skinny little runt. Uh, used to joke that if I um, had a cigarette in my mouth, I would fall forward from the weight. I was just skinny, skinny guy. Had to run around in the shower to get wet. All those uh, sort of skinny jokes, that was, that was me. And I was hiding. And what I would do in high school was because, because I'm clearly a freak, how I look, uh, it, to deflect attention, I would be funny. I would be the class clown. And so my, I began to be an extrovert in terms of humor and things like that to, to hide and to mask all the stuff that's on the inside of how I feel about myself. And sadly, when Sander marries me, uh, Sander bought into the, the pretend Steve. The good news is she saw behind all of those things. But friends, it wasn't until my 40s when I came to this church 
and began to have inner healing and deliverance ministry that those deep-seated things from a long time ago um, got healed. And I'm very comfortable with who I am now. I'm okay when I look in the mirror. I'm, uh, I'm happy that I'm this tall. I'm happy that I'm this heavy or light. Um, not sure which way you say it. Uh, but I'm very happy in my skin now, but that's not who I was. And friends, here's the good news, is that one encounter that Mary had with Jesus, it would appear absolutely transformed her. And that one dinner party that she's not a guest and just made her way in, that one action that she did with Jesus, and Jesus now speaks to her and says, you're forgiven for your past, all those things are gone. You're a lady of love. I see your heart full of love. It's been misguided in the past. It's been misdirected, but I understand you're full of love. That's who God's made you. And then you're a lady of faith. You're a lady who understands that when God speaks and you do it, you can get your breakthrough. You're smart enough to know that. And Mary had her breakthrough that day. And from here on, Mary, that we read in the scriptures, the sister of Lazarus and Martha, is a hero in the Christian church. She's one that we emulate and say, we need to be like Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus. Where did she first sit at the feet of Jesus? Perhaps as a hooker. Reputation. And Jesus saw through that, friends, and saw who she really was. I'd like you to stand with me, friends, and we're going to answer these two questions that we got on the screen. Those of you at home, if you don't mind uh, standing with me as well. So the first question, I'd like you to just to close your eyes. Look at the questions. First question is, who do you see when you look at me? So we're talking to Jesus. So just close your eyes now and just ask him to, to give you a, a word, a thought. So what is the word? that Jesus wants to say to you today of how he sees you. For Mary, it was three words, forgiven, loved, faith. Just say, Jesus, is there a word for me? What's the label? What do you see in me that perhaps I don't see in myself? And friends, as soon as you hear something. Can you just put your hand up just so I know when, how many people have heard something? I'm not going to ask you to say anything today, but I want everyone to be able to participate and hear from God today. Those of you at home, if you're in the chat, just write in the chat, I heard something. If you want to write it in, you can, but you don't need to. Ask Jesus, who do you see when you look at me? Do you see failure? Do you see hopeless? Do you see shame? I'm going to guess, friends, he doesn't see any of those things. He sees what God's able to do in you, and he sees your future. He sees you as someone who has received forgiveness. Jesus sees us as someone who he died for on the cross, as, as David said earlier. All of our breakthroughs are at the cross because of what Jesus has already done. And you remember the Bible says that on the cross, he took our shame. It would appear that Jesus was naked on the cross. No clothing. His body is mangled. 
ribs open, gashes in his side, not just blood coming out of him, but body liquids coming out of his body as he's dying on a cross. And he did that for you and for me to say, forgiven, loved, you have a future. Second question. Take a look at it on the screen. Jesus, what do you want to say to me about my future? Just close your eyes again. Jesus, what's, what's, what's coming up for me? And he could talk about a purpose in your life. He could talk about your personality. Jesus, what do you want to say? I just heard the Brian Johnson song of he's still with me after all these years. I'm hearing Jesus say that he's proud of me. I hear him say that he's happy with the journey that I've pursued to push into God. Some of you won't know this, but the last job in the world that I wanted was to be a pastor because my dad was a pastor. And I just felt that's the lamest job you could ever get. It's just like, oh my goodness, why would you want to do that? And yet, that's what the Lord had for me. I remember when he spoke to me, I was 18. And he said, you're going to be a pastor. And it was like, I don't think so. And I had a, a, a couple Jonah years of sort of running from God. Feeling miserable. And I can remember I decided, okay, I'll give, I'll give God a summer. And I quit my really good paying job. I think I was making $20 an hour in 1978. That was good money. And I quit that so that I could work at a Christian kids' summer camp. And I said, God, I'll give you my summer. I'll give you July and August. And then we'll see, can you get off my back if I, if I do that? Is that good enough to be, instead of being a pastor, can I go to kids' camp for two, two months? And while I was there, God used me and affirmed, yep, this is your destiny. And I enrolled in a Bible college for a year. I enrolled in the four-year course, which you could just take the first year of. Ended up finishing four years. Started dating Sandra. Found out as I'm dating Sandra that the Lord spoken to her when she was 14 to say, you're going to marry a pastor. And it's like, oh, well, I guess she's dating me. That's who I am. <laughs> and just love to be on this journey, friends. And I love the story of Mary because Mary's me. Mary's you. Mary's you. God sees who we see the worst of ourselves. And he sort of has a big smile, shakes his head, sees into our heart, and says, no, 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 I died for you. I gave my life so that you could have a breakthrough. How about you close your eyes one more time? Let's look to heaven this time. How about you just put your hands out a little bit? 
God, could you say the word sozo over my life again? Could you speak those incredibly powerful words? Steve Long, receive sozo. Receive salvation. Receive deliverance. Receive breakthrough. Receive healing. It's the, if I could say it, it's the magical word. It's not magic. It's the anointed word for when God breaks into our lives and things change. And just talk to Jesus right now and say, Jesus, I need more of your change. I need more of your breakthroughs in my life. I'm saying again to you, Jesus, that what you say about who I am is, is more truthful than what I think. It's more truthful than what my friends think, my school teachers thought. What, what you say, that's who I am. And friends, you remember the Bible says this, Paul, the apostle says that we're already seated in high, high places and heavenly places. When God looks at us, he, he sees through the filter of what Jesus has done for us. And God today looks at you and me and he, we're already seated in heavenly places. We're already above all the issues. That's how God looks at us. And church family, those of you in the room, those of you at home, I want to speak this blessing over you. You're God's family. You're his children, his children. You're a son, you're a daughter. The Bible says that God knows your name, knows your name. And he's for us, he's not against us. He's with us at all times. That's what the word Emmanuel means. Always with us. Jesus is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of generations, always, always with us. He's with our parents. He's with us. He'll be with our kids. He's for us. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would come now and do that sozo stuff. And friends, for some of you, you need to believe that right now, the the negative words over your life, the negative things that you've been feeling about yourself, that they are going to go right now. As God speaks over you and he says, sozo, change, breakthrough. I woke up this morning and I was taken to a passage in 2 Corinthians. Can't remember exactly where it is. I'm going to say like maybe 11 or 12. And it's where Paul talks about one of the hardest times in his life where he says that he has a thorn in his flesh. And it's a new phrase that he's never used before. And so as soon as he says that, he tells you what he's talking about. And he says this, it's a tormenting spirit. It's a tormenting spirit. And you remember he three times he said, Jesus, please heal me. Take this away. Three times. And because Paul had massive pride issues that he talks about. He acknowledges big issues of pride. 
Remember, he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He's a Roman citizen. He, he's in the elite of culture. He, he was a lawyer, went to the best private school in the known Hebrew world, Gamaliel. He's, he's up there. He's an elite person, struggles with pride. And now this tormenting spirit is coming against him. It's a suicidal spirit. That's what it is, a tormenting spirit all against his identity, challenging him. And three times he says, God, can you, can you take this away? And God says, yeah, I can. But for you, <laughs> because of who you are, you're going to feel my grace upon you. And so I'm going to have a very specific time of prayer, friends, right now. And I'd like you to be very vulnerable because... There's people in this room today, there's people that are watching that really struggle with suicidal thoughts, self-harm, those kind of things. And friends, if that's you, we wanna pray that off of you because two options, as Paul said, God just takes it off of you and you never have it again. That's plan A, that's the good one, that's what Paul wanted. Plan B is God's gonna be with you every single time those struggles come. So can I get you to be very vulnerable this morning? And if you're in the room, and you struggle with self-harm, suicidal thoughts from time to time, can I get you to hold your hand up really high? Don't be ashamed of this. Just go ahead, friends, because I know there's lots of you. Okay, there's some people have their hands up. Those of you that don't have this challenge, can you just point your hand, look around and see somebody who's got their hand up? Keep your hands up, friends. And the church, just stretch your hands to someone who's got their hand up, and let's pray for them. Father, we're blessing our friends this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, may those tormenting spirits be lifted off of them right now, as Jesus said that he could do. We're asking that those voices be silent. Those voices that say, harm yourself, cut yourself. Those voices that say, end it. Life would be better. Your family would be better off if you weren't around. Father, we silence those words right now. We command those demonic spirits that have had assignment to shut up and to get out right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we're blessing that the closeness of Jesus would be with you at all times. That you'd never feel alone. You would know that God's with you, that his love is extreme for you. You'd always feel the kindness of God around you. Spirit of God, come and be with us. How about everyone? Put your hand in the air now, everybody. Jesus, I need you. How about you just say that? Jesus, I need you. Need you more than ever. Need you. How about you say this? I am who you say I am. That's who I am period, dot, exclamation mark. And just let the Holy Spirit come, friends. Let him wash over you. May his grace, grace is second chances. Grace is you hit a bad golf shot and you get to do it again. No penalty. Grace is a redo on an exam. Don't count the first exam. 
Grace is God with us every single day. And we don't do anything to deserve grace. It's all because of God's love for us, because of what God sees in us. And friends, because of what God sees in you, he asked Jesus to go to a cross for you, to die for your sins so that you could be part of his family. That's who Jesus is. He saw the potential in each of us. And Holy Spirit, we're asking that you come and cleanse our hearts, cleanse our emotions, cleanse our physical bodies today. We welcome your presence. Can you feel the Holy Spirit around you, friends? Can you feel weight on your hands, tangling in your body, feeling peace? That's all God. That's God. God with us with us thank you Father come come we hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today to watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto visit catchthefire.tv Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.